In 2021, Talk About It Outdoors partnered with an industry-leading brand that has stamped its name on the outdoor industry. Cruiser Saddles in itself stands on perfection, and with every climb we make, we elevate ourselves above the rest. In addition to a support to our hunting journey, the men and women behind Cruiser believe in the same principles of life as us. Faith, family, and the blessings of being better as they go in every sit. If your desire to pursue your passions one step ahead of the rest, go ahead and get in the best. Check them out on all the socials or head over to their website at www.cruiser.com. That's C-R-U-Z-R.com. And tell them to talk about it outdoors, boys, and Chasing Weekends sent you their way. The journey of life has a unique way of being able to create tried and true friendships as we go. In forming those relationships, oftentimes good things come to follow. Talk About It Outdoors is proudly supported by Cal Hardy of Arrowhead Land Company. Cal is the leading broker over Georgia and is happy to assist you with finding the place where you can call home. With vast knowledge and an understanding of the ever-evolving real estate market and a unique old-school approach to everything he does, he exemplifies what it means to treat others like you'd want to be treated. Don't settle for being just another number in a phone. Choose Cal Hardy for all your land, home, and commercial real estate needs and become a part of his family. We sure are blessed to have him as a part of ours. Find him on Facebook, Instagram, or give him a call at 770-296-2163. Step back to the times when a feed store was more than just that, and the people inside smiled with friendly faces and provided a place for a talk on life, as well as all your essential farm, livestock, and pet needs. Cherokee Feed and Seed located in Ball Ground, Georgia, with an additional location in Gainesville, are the hometown supplier of all your cattle, equine, and pet needs, with the added addition of being able to keep your deer herd healthy with protein and minerals. They also carry an assortment of hunting blinds and gear, and you can rest easy knowing the people that support local ball clubs and children's sports are who your hard-earned money is going to. The people here greet you with a handshake and a smile, and Cherokee Feed and Seed give more than just a product. They give you a welcome that'll make you return time and time again. Stop in next time you're in the area and tell them you're part of the Talk About It Outdoors family. A few years back, when an overbearing and overgrown backyard became an eyesore, I looked for a solution to resolve. LRS Land Services created a stunning and complete transformation turnkey at an affordable price with their mulching services. Not limited to mulching, LRS can provide turnkey grading and clearing, maintenance, right-of-way clearing, and even development for any and all forestry needs. With an innovative outlook on what is best for your land and a completely different approach than others, LRS can transform your overgrown eyesore into a beautiful landscape of your dreams. Give them a call at 404-889-1105 or check their work out on Facebook at LRS Land Services. Logan and his team are ready to make your land brand new again. Building the foundation of your life starts at the base, and the stronger it is, the better. 
Talk About It Outdoors is proud of our strong partnership with United Concrete and Paving and the foundation of support they provide. Whether your new home being built needs concrete work or that driveway you're tired of beating all the bearings from your pickup needs a paving, Michael and his team can provide any residential or commercial project support you might need from the ground up. If you're tired of tripping over that unsettled patio slab or a future shop build needs a smooth start, United Concrete and Paving can get you going when you need it most. Give them a call at 404-831-3036 and make sure you tell them them TAI boys are where you heard it first. You ever been riding down the road, seeing a piece of property that you couldn't live without, or maybe just wanted to sell your own land? Give our boy Cal Hardy with Whitetail Properties a call, 770-296-2163, day or night, or check him out on Facebook. Are you in need of forestry mulching, tree services, hauling, grading, and excavation in the southeast? Well, give our buddy Logan Severa a call with LRS Land Services. You can head over to Facebook, Instagram, and check out his work, or give him a call at 404-889-1105. Stop putting off clearing that back 40 and give our boy a call. You ready, Nick? Let's do it. All right, everybody, talk about it outdoors. Coming to you for the last time in 2022 from the Cruiser Saddle Studio. I'm Alex DeBoard. Nick Wilson, my co-host, my partner in crime over the last two years, is right beside me, and Cody Watson's joining us in-house for a great show to end the year. We got the guys from the Dead End Game Calls coming on, and you're going to want to hear the story these guys have got to tell. Pull up a chair and set a while. This is going to be a good one. Nicholas, old deuce deuce is winding up on his son. It's almost over, buddy. And, you know, it's probably funny you say, you probably thought when we put dead end game calls on the list, you probably thought, man, he's done slid a turkey episode in here before the, the yeah, show before ends. Deer season was until even we, over. Until we found out what this old boy's done, and we're going to get to it shortly. Yeah. And, and I know that oftentimes people listen to the show, they're like, Alex hates turkey calling, and, and Alex doesn't like turkey hunting. And what did I do with you yesterday? We went down to see an old Shag Hill, Mr. Clay Townsend himself. We, <laughs> we sat down there for three hours yesterday and shot the breeze with him, man. And, what some beautiful calls he builds too. It is, and and the and the one thing he kept telling me is, Alex, you better take somebody turkey hunting with you. You'll have every one of them run over the top of the hill if you're trying to play. So, but it was a great time spent down there, and and I think it'll spin right into the show that we've got tonight. You actually met these guys up in Nashville last year at NWTF, um, a common affiliation that we both have with Cruiser Saddles, kind of brought us together and got us to following along with them. Um, it's been a, a really great year. And I can't think of a better way to end it than with this one. I'm excited, man. Did you have a good Christmas before we wonderful, go much further? Wonderful Christmas. Uh, time spent with family. Um, knocked down another doe this this past week. So on Christmas Day, first time I've ever been ever taken a deer. And you said probably the only person I know of that can go hunting on Christmas <laughs> Day. So I did. I slipped out, knocked down a doe. So I've had a great year. I got to ask for the people that see the picture of that doe. Was that the largest doe that you've ever taken? 
No, no. Okay, okay. It's not the largest I've ever taken. It's not the smallest either. I would like to go really? ahead and throw that in there. And yeah, I've actually killed smaller. So. Top five? Uh, definitely. Probably top three. May, may compete for top one. When dad walked up and saw it, he's like, really? But where I'm hunting at, I've, I've got the, the green light to shoot everything. The guy wants them gone. They're eating his flowers in his garden up. So he told me, it, I, I want them gone. And I'd sat there for three days before not seen a deer. So it's time to knock something down. And we had some of the coldest weather on record since what they say? Eight, 19... 1984. The yeah. coldest consecutive, uh, three days that we've had of cold weather since 1984 in Cherokee County, Georgia. Yeah. Well, let's introduce this fella. Well, the guy that's joining us tonight um, has already blown our minds with uh, the 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 talk of a deer that he harvested this year. Um, he's part of an eclectic group of guys over at Dead End Game Calls that uh, are got some of the up and comers of the calling world um, that you you probably are going to be seeing their names more often than not. Um, as they come up through the ranks, they've already proven themselves as, as some of the top competitive callers. Um, Patrick Paysinger is joining us, and, and it's a pleasure and an honor to welcome you to talk about it outdoors, Patrick. Yes, sir. Nice to meet you guys. When you first and, uh, go ahead, I'm sorry. <laughs> and excited to talk a little bit of deer hunting. <laughs> See, there, I Nick. <laughs> I, hey, I, I am a turkey nut. I love, we love turkey hunting, but man. Do we love to chase these mature bucks? I'm sure Nick will have a question on that before this show's over with. But uh, as uh, as it as it stands now, you are um you were one of the uh, co-owners of Dead End Game Calls. Is that correct? No, 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 no. Not co-owners. I just I help the owner Mitchell Johnston, um, help him with some management, run social media, run the. Uh, the pro staff but no you the mitchell power johnston. <laughs> you the power behind the throne <laughs> mitchell johnston uh, owns it and mitchell was and, unable uh, to join us tonight um he had some some family stuff going on but um we uh we wanted yes. to make sure to go ahead and get this one in at the at the end of the year um and you know i, I want to go right into it and kind of get the story of of where dead end ca- game calls came from and how you found your affiliation with them and why you chose to be a part of them Sure, sure. Um, it goes back uh, 2010. Uh, Mitchell Johnston was blessed to win the Grand National Turkey Calling Competition. Um, he won it, and um, actually, he's been blessed to win numerous Grand National World Champion and just tons of calling championships. Uh, too many for me to even. <laughs> list um was calling for a few companies but his dream was to own his own call company in 2011 he started dead end game calls and a lot of people's like well where does that name come from well you're on a dead end road without jesus christ um he actually started dead end game calls as a ministry um not to uh really make money but just as a ministry because God give him this platform as using a turkey call to reach people because uh, it's funny he's he's you know he's just a country boy like me from from the mountains and uh, he'd never been out of the hills of North Carolina and when he won uh, his first championship he got to be on David Letterman so he's seen there that that doors were open and he was able to speak and get in front of these people so he started using it as a ministry and uh, just after that the lord has just kept opening doors and kept growing and growing and uh 
we just all enjoyed videoing and uh, stuff like that. So we started a little TV show. It was on Gen 7 for a few years, and then we just continued to grow. Had opportunity to be on uh, the Mossy Oak Go, and we've uh, met a lot of good people on Mossy Oak and a lot of good partners, and we've been on Mossy Oak for about four years now. Um, so we've got a we've got a team of about 100 pro staff uh, across the United States, uh, probably – 20 or so that call on stage that are callers kind of like you spoke uh i think you were kind of alluding to matthew and tyler presley uh there are a couple that's been with us since they were young kids and they're awesome callers and uh but we've got a great calling team we've got uh people that's got social media presence we've got we've got our video crew uh that that video for our show um so yeah that's kind of how how it all started it started with the ministry back background and it's still that's our number one focus is is on the ministry um we we have a wednesday word we have a sunday scripture and every show we kind of end it uh relating to uh scripture or bible verse i killed a big buck in iowa last year over a decoy and Mitchell talks about how the devil uses decoys to distract us and get our eyes off of what we should be focused on. And uh, it's just been an amazing ride. Tell, tell, us, tell the listeners a little bit of how you got uh, brought aboard with them also, Patrick. Okay. Um, yeah, it's just it goes back to the Lord as far as putting people in your life that you need to be around. Um, me and my wife, we were up in Gatlinburg, uh, I guess eight or nine years ago. And, uh, we were up there for anniversary and just walking around the streets of Gatlinburg. If, if you guys ever been there and there's a little convention center and we seen it said outdoor show. So, so I, I was like, let's go in, we go in and there's absolutely no one in the place. It's dead. They did no advertisement and Mitchell and John Miller have a booth for dead end in there. And there's no one in there. I go up, which I already knew of Mitchell from winning the Grand Nationals. And I'd watch some of his YouTube videos because he's absolutely amazing caller. So I knew who he was, sat there, talked to him about hunting and just kind of hit it off and got a few calls. I was already running some of his mouth calls. and. um run on that let's see that spring and i was running his mouth calls and another company's pot calls and he makes awesome awesome uh friction calls so fast forward i think it's eight months or so to the nwtf uh show in nashville i'm just walking around as a spectator and i go by the guy that makes the friction calls and I'd been sending him some pictures. I love photography. And um, he asked me to be one of his first pro staff members, which was an honor. And um, he said, think about it. I don't know all the details, but, you know, I'd love for you to join me. I walk around the corner and there's Mitchell's booth and they are packed. It's Saturday. There's people standing everywhere. And <laughs> Me and Mitchell's usually not good with names. He looks up 
and waves at me and says, Hey Patrick. And I go up to him. We start talking hunting again. I show him some video clips of some turkey kills and he's like, man, I'd love to use that stuff. And I was like, well, what I need to do to become a part. And he's like, we're going to have a show. And he's like, well, I'm the owner. (laughs) And so he invited me to be part of the team. So, uh, straight up, I told him, I said, well, this other guy has asked me to be part of his team. And he looked at me and he said, he's a great guy. He said, go home and pray on it and make your decision. And that was such an honorable way. Most people would try to talk you out of it. And I mean, I knew immediately. Um, I did go home, pray on it. Told him the next day, I was like, yes, I'll, I'll join the team. So just started as a pro staff, um, you know, running their calls, promoting dead end, um, giving them some content. We had a show on Gen 7. Um, I had a few deer kills, a few turkey kills I give to them and uh, kept kind of growing. And Mitchell, the company kept growing and growing. And uh, Mitchell's just run too thin. He needed needed someone to run the pro staff and to help with social media. So he asked me to, to take upon those responsibilities and been kind of doing that ever since. And we've been able to travel all over the United States chasing turkeys and deer together. It's been a blast. That's amazing to hear that though, especially the name of the company dead end. And now you guys, you just said that you guys have a hundred pro staff people across the United States. Yes. How do you basically do the same thing as, is still from the day that he met you? Are you guys just praying on, on who and who God will send you guys the next place? And how, how do you determine that with having these, these guys come on board? Well, it's, it's, um, that has, has grown and it's a combination of, of different things. We want to keep, we call our pro staff road crew because we think that pro staff gets watered down. And, you know, now you've got companies, it's what companies a lot have done is good for sales, but it does not take it takes the honor of being a pro staff way down because you see a lot of these companies, they've got a thousand, 5,000, 10,000 pro staffs. I actually seen a, a company selling pro staff memberships. It was like, you buy a big package from us, you get a pro staff sticker. And, and it's like, it should be an honor to be a pro staff with someone. So we say road crew and so I've got a, as a manager, I've got people approaching us wanting to be a pro staff. So with that, I usually talk to them and I actually get to minister to them because used to, when I first took over, the first thing I would ask is, are you a Christian? And because we're a Christian based organization, that's what we want to represent. That's what we put first. So growing up in the South, if you ask 99% of the people, they would say, yeah, I'm a Christian. Well, that was it. And a lot of people, they say they're a Christian, but has never accepted Jesus Christ as their, their savior. So I had a guy that I had met out West turkey hunting uh, through a company I used to 
pro staff with and uh we turkey hunted together and he started asking me to be part of that in and i said well number one you need to be a christian and he said i don't know what you mean he said first of all i've got a cross in my house i believe in god but i don't know what you mean and i said well have you ever accepted jesus christ as your personal savior and he's like no so i got to minister to him a little bit and i said i tell you what you pray on this and let's talk more and it was the next day he called me and he said i don't know what it is but i want it it's burning he knew that that holy spirit had entered him and and i was able to lead him to christ over the phone so now that's the first thing that I asked to have you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal savior. And, you know, someone can lie to me, but it's a chance to minister to people. But we want born again Christians, number one, because we say it's a ministry. And then number two, they need to be able to represent dead in in some way. Either they're a caller on stage, they do video for us, or they have a social media presence. They have to meet one of those three criterias. And then if they meet those criterias, then I'll add them on. That was going to be one of my questions. Had you met anyone that, that said they weren't? And it, we go back to this a lot that through social media and things like that, if you can lead somebody to Christ, it's awful rewarding thing. And you've got your ultimate reward from doing all this stuff. So that was probably a really unique and and, and wonderful feeling for you to be able to experience that. Oh my, I mean, it, it was, that's what we are here on earth to be. You know, Jesus said, go out and make disciples and, and to be able for the Lord to use me in that way. And I mean, that's what Mitchell has said from day one. If we, if we're able to help save one lost soul, this is, it's a success. So, right. and it's, and it's, I mean, Mitchell, Mitchell just spoke at a wild game supper in November and was able to lead 65 people to Christ because Mitchell is actually, Mitchell actually preaches too. Um, um, he, he, he'll, he would tell you he does, uh, he's evangelist. So he says he gets to hit and run. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, and if you've ever if you've ever heard Mitchell, man, he can he sure can preach, man. The Lord definitely uh, uses him, that's for sure. And it's yeah, and if and if we've actually, I've got a guy that is a really good friend that the Lord has has um, put in the mine and Mitchell's life, and um, he was burnt early on as a kid um, by a bunch of religious people. He was drugged to church. Um, they burned his shirt because it said kiss. They said it meant knights in Satan's service and give him a very, very bad taste. Um, and we, you know, we was able to tell him, look, those are the same people that crucified Jesus. We're against that. Jesus is against that. Those are religious people. And, um, but he is still not there. The Lord's working on him. We're still ministering to him, but he's not there yet. 
And, um, and that's okay. Um, like Mitchell says, you've, you've got to realize you're lost before you need a savior. Um, and, you know, and, and the people that just says no, then, you know, that's on them. Hopefully we've planted that seed. And even if we don't get to reap it, someone else will. Yeah, I agree with all that stuff too. And we said that early on and I, I think we kind of drifted away maybe from time to time, but we've often said that too, when we first started this podcast, if we could just reach one person to help someone out, then uh, we would achieve a goal with it. And I think we've done that, you know, I don't know about tenfold, but we've done a good job at it. Um, sure, sure. Patrick, you guys made a great relationship um, with the cruiser saddle guys and, and we know them fairly well we actually met them last year in wtf and we kicked off a partnership with them that has been a pretty pretty much a blessing for us in a lot of ways um tell us about the partnership you guys have with them real quick yeah um i guess it's been two years um i had wanted a saddle for a couple of years because i'm a diehard deer hunter and um i'm i hunt tennessee kentucky hunted Illinois, Kansas, Missouri, Iowa. I wanted it as a tool, but every saddle that I had tried, I hadn't purchased one, but I had tried three or four different brands. I didn't like, uh, I got hip pinch. I'm six three, two thirty, So, uh, I'm a bigger guy and none of them were comfortable to me. Um, but I still wanted one just to basically keep in my truck for that time. If I see a deer across the field, I could sneak over there, you know, just use it as a tool. And uh, I kept on all these forums. All I heard about was cruiser, cruiser, comfy, cruiser, cruiser. So um, I deal with a lot of the sponsors also. Um, I deal with half of them. Mitchell deals with half of them. Uh We've got another team member, Mark Porter, that deals with some of them. And uh, so I seen Cruiser is right here in Tennessee. Um, he's about two and a half hours from me. So I called Chad and um, we kind of hit it off on the phone. Definitely everything was interesting. He said, look, guys, come down here. Come try them out. And um, me and... Uh, Two other team members, Mark Porter and uh, Taylor McCamus, we drove drove down there, met them face-to-face, um, tried them out. And, I mean, as soon as we got I was like, what? <laughs> you know, it's just just a game changer. I'm like, dang, this thing is like sitting in a hammock. I mean, there's nothing. Um, so, uh, immediately partnership and and, you know, he already knew about us. And he looked at me and he said, something you may not realize. He said, look at, look at my emblem, the cruiser. And right there in the center of the cross and just kind of, kind of hit it off. Been buddies ever since. And last year at the ATA, he introduced us to the element guys, Casey and Tyler. Um, we've all been able to turkey hunt together. Um, we turkey hunted in Tennessee together. We met up with the Element guys and hunted in Iowa together. Um, it's just amazing to see all the people that God just continues to to put in your life. And it went from it went from using thinking I would get a saddle as a 
just a tool that I would use every once in a while to where I use it 95% of the time. So you were a big deer, st- like a climber or a lock-on hunter before you tried the saddle out? Uh, lock-on. Um, either, um, you know, because I, Kentucky, I had family. Um, so a lot of private ground I could hunt in Kentucky. And um, Kansas, where I hunt, private ground. I know a, I've got a good friend that lives out there. So we just get some 20 foot ladder sticks and put up ladder sticks in a stand set stands. That's usually the way I would hunt. Um, now I have used like a summit climber back in the day. Um, but kind of despised carrying them. They were so loud and this right. tree had to be, had to be, you know, straight up and down. Um, so yeah, I had used the climber some, but mostly just preset, uh, or like a lone wolf and some, lone wolf sticks if i was hunting public ground um that's the way i hunted now that you're in the saddle game what's the biggest difference that you denote in the way that you hunt let's say you're you, you've got a fixed stand now you made mention of the the lone wolf stand and sticks pretty lightweight but that saddle itself takes place of a whole lot of stuff that you've got to carry with you so what's the biggest difference that you uh, have found yourself hunting differently at <laughs> Well, the, the biggest thing, like I, I'm, I'm, I'm honest with people, like whenever that I get a lot of people that's never even set in a saddle, but they're interested and I'll say, you know, my setup isn't a whole lot lighter than a summit. I mean, uh, well, most, some of these climbers, it's only about three and a half pounds lighter, um, Cause I've, I've got, I use three or four cut down lone wolf sticks and my saddle. So, and then someone as big as me, sure. Three pounds is three pounds. Um, but it ain't really the weight to me. It's, it's everything's condensed down. Cause like I said, whenever I'm carrying either a, a lone wolf or a summit on my back, you've got that bulk sticking up. And if you go by any tree limbs, they're hitting the tree limbs. They're making all that noise. With a saddle, I'm wearing my tree stand in, or if I'm walking real, real far, I'll put it in my backpack. Um, so I don't have any of that bulk sticking out. Um, the The mobility of it is just amazing. And, and I'll tell people to practice, practice, practice beforehand. Because if you practice, you're going to be comfortable with it and know your system, know what you like. Just because you watched a YouTube video and you see someone doing it this way, it may not be what is comfortable to you. Right. It's like, I know, I know my first stick goes at my belly button. And then I know where each stick, once I get up on it, each stick goes at my chest because that fits my stride perfect and with four cut down sticks i can get 18 foot up are you running eighters on your sticks or are you just running straight sticks no straight sticks four four long wolves cut to 18 inches i can get 18 foot which i've got pretty long strides and i can do that in the dark no problem i know exactly how i do it and um 
I've got a couple of the um, three of my sticks. I actually used, I think it's like eight gauge wire loop at the top. And then I've got the little clips on each side of my, my cruiser saddle. So those loops set right in those clips and I can grab everything out. It holds it because of the gravity holding down, but I can grab everything. Usually I can be up in a tree set up, ready to go in about seven minutes. And that's, that's seven to 10 minutes. And that's taking my time, not sweating. And I'm, like I said, I'm a bigger person that usually sweat. That's what, that was another thing that scared me at first. Cause I'm like, there's no way I can carry this and set up almost every time and not just be soaking wet. <laughs> and, and with practicing it and being comfortable with it, knowing your system and taking your time, you can actually do it really fast and efficient and not break a sweat. Um, I've, I've set up on deer that's a hundred yards. Um, but I don't use it completely as a mobile system. Like at my house, I'm blessed to own 50 acres here and, um, I've got six ladder sticks set up in three set places. So that's six tree stands. I don't have to buy. And that's why I tell people, I'm like, you know, before I'd had to buy six tree stands. So now all I had to do is buy the $50 ladder sticks and set up the ladder sticks everywhere. And then when I go in, just take my platform, my saddle, climb up, bam, I'm done. Are you using a daisy chain method on your sticks or, or are you using straps? Daisy chain. Isn't that a game changer? <laughs> it, it, it is. It, it, it took me a little bit to get comfortable using that and trusting it. You know, um, just, you know, pulling through rope, but, but yes, it is. Yes. Patrick, you, uh, being you don't a... have to worry about. Go ahead. Sure. I was just saying, you don't have to worry about that buckle banging up against something. It's, it's wonderful. Patrick, you being a bigger guy like myself, um, what was the biggest hurdle that you, for you to get over with the saddle? Um, was there anything that just kept bothering you when you were climbing up or getting set up that you just took you a while to figure out, but once it came to you, it started clicking? I guess the realizing that every half inch that you set your uh, tether in half, either, you know, because some people like it forehead high, some people like it down about chest high. And realizing that every little movement that you make on that tethered height makes such a huge adjust a uh, difference mm -hmm. where I like my tether height a little bit lower. You know, if I, if I put it at eye or nose height, I like it down about chin height. So realizing that, but for the cruiser, it's never been really the issue. I can, I can honestly say that about any way I run it is comfortable. Mm -hmm. where the other brands, if I didn't have it perfect and then I still couldn't sit there, I made numerous all-day sets in my cruiser last year in Iowa. Um, I tell people the only negative that I can find, find about the cruiser is moving. If, if you're a fidgeter or you get bored, you can catch yourself swaying back to Fords. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's that, that video of the guy sitting on the park bench. Uh, he, deer stand hunters 
waiting on a deer and then you've got the four or five pictures of the guy swinging up flat down and moving back and forth in a swing set <laughs> and it is it's yeah. a game changer for us because we've we've spent the entire season our entire team is running cruiser saddles and we've hunted in illinois and in georgia and, and even spent time during cold weather where you would think you would freeze to death in the thing with not having the amount of clothing you may need or whatever um it, it's an amazing tool that it's changed the it's changed the game for for the way that we hunt. I mean, I, it's definitely made us, I think, more efficient. I love mine, man. I wouldn't. I'm glad. I'm so glad I got it. And I, I think the first first thing that you know to get over for a lot of people that haven't hunted in one is once they climb up there and stand on that platform and lean back that first time. That's right. Once you get that out of the, you're like, okay, you got me. We're mm-hmm. good. Um, but yep. I, I just think it's just, it's been such a game changer for all of us. Even do, even hunting in Georgia, I mean, you guys are the same way in Tennessee. I mean, sure, we could take a climber out here and get 60 foot in the top of one of those Georgia pines if we want to, but it's just so much easier to find a little thicker cover now and just tuck yourself up in it. Exactly. And that's that's what I tell people is, is you know, whenever I say, well, I can get 18 foot, and they're like, well, I want to be 25 and this and that. And I'm like, well, actually, I hunt lower now. The shot angles are so much better with a bow. And if you hunt to cover, you do not need to be that high. Mm-hmm. If you if you find that tree that's got some cover, or I love a tree that's right next to a cedar tree, and you can climb up a good tree and then kind of lean back up against that cedar tree, dude, that is that is awesome. I, I yeah, the first time leaning back, it does kind of get you, and some people that really really bothers. But I guess. Um, I've, I've hung tree stands and hunting tree stands for 30 years. So, um, it, what didn't take me long to get over that, uh, that part of it, but you know, I, and another way that I'll sell the, the cruiser saddle is even for people that's got say a lease and they've got 20 stands pre-hung. Okay. Those are great. And and I'll put a cruiser saddle, I guess, above every tree stand I've hunted except for a Millennium. <laughs> now, I won't lie, Millennium M150 is is uh, is a Mac Daddy lazy boy. <laughs> <laughs> but, and there's times for that. But even if you have an M150, well, what if you want to take your wife or your kid hunting? Mm-hmm. Well, or like us, we film our own hunts. So... So I've got tree stands, you know, I've collected over the years all over the place. Well, I still, if I have, say we lease a hundred acres in Missouri, well, we should use those tree stands. We have them and we've got set places where we know. So we can set those tree stands. Okay. So if we set 10 tree stands on that hundred acres, well, we always film. So that's 10 more stands we need as a, for camera stands. So you can use a saddle as your cameraman stand. That's right. Then then climb up your tree stand. It's pre-hung. Get on the side of that tree or the back of the tree, and there you are. Or same as a kid. If you've got a ladder stand, a single ladder stand, put your kid in the ladder stand. You can hang right there off the back of it and be right there with them. It saves you a ton. It actually, you know, I hear a lot of people say, well, the upfront cost is so expensive for a saddle. And I'm like, but you end up saving money if you hunt a lot and buy a lot of tree stands. You'll you'll save a ton of money. 
Yeah. Because uh, you don't have to buy those camera stands. You don't have to buy, uh, or if you don't have tree stands, just do like I did at my house and just buy the ladder sticks and pre-hung the ladder sticks. That's right. I know the going into the the discussion when we first started talking about getting into the saddle game, it was uh, uh, something I said, no, nah, there's no way. And I told Nick the other day, I said, if you told me a year ago that I'd spend more time in a in a saddle than I would in a tree stand, I'd have told you you were crazy. But you made mention of the most important thing that we've seen, and that's the filming aspect. If you're a, if you're a videographer in any aspect and you're not using a saddle, you are selling yourself way way short because you can manipulate that camera in so many different angles than you can in a stand and you can hang faster just like you said and it makes the the functionality of everything you do from that standpoint so much easier in my opinion i mean it's just so much easier to get around the tree and have everything hanging right there at your 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 wheel um the one thing you mentioned earlier about hanging uh, the presets are you taking your your platform from tree to tree to tree i guess you're not are you standing on top of the sticks themselves it just depends if 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 i work all day and i know i'm just going to run over there and you know sit on the edge of the field for an hour and a half yeah i'll just grab my stuff and stand on top of the sticks um i have over the past couple years got a couple extra platforms so i might um but most of the time i'm taking my platform in with me Gotcha. Because it it's it's so easy to doesn't take thirty seconds to set up and take down, um, and I've got a little S hook on the back of my um, saddle that I can hang my platform on, um, where I'm hands free and just reach back and grab my platform and hang it, take it down. Um, but but most time I'm taking my platform on and off every time. It's just not I've. Just, I'm so custom to it. It's not a big deal. Right. Um, I got a question that's that this happened sure. this past week. Um, and you hunting in Iowa and, and some colder weather I've hunted in Iowa. I've spent time up there. Um, this past week with the cold weather we faced in Georgia, I had hung a set on, uh, let's see, I believe it was Thursday afternoon. Um, I hunted it and I said, well, I'm coming back here tomorrow afternoon. I'm just going to leave my tether rope, my camera arm, um, and we experienced that extreme cold weather where it got down into, you know, the lower single digits negative with the wind chill. And I got back in that afternoon and I got in my stand and, and I noticed the, and we run a Kong, uh, on, a, on our tether and on our lineman. And I noticed the gate lock that screws down. I couldn't screw it down. It, it was frozen. I couldn't move it at all. And I thought, yeah. oh my goodness. So I actually took my, my call or I, I took my lineman uh t- uh what is it carabiner took it out of my bag put it on the kong and i was able to screw it down well then i got finished hunting that evening and the gate lock was frozen closed have you ever experienced that where you couldn't open your gate lock <laughs> yes i did the exact same thing in missouri this year um it freaked I me out. I was in. scared to death. I was like, oh, I'm not going to get out of this tree. I want to cut my rope. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, it happened to me before I went up. And then because I had went in and hung everything, the wind was blowing 30 miles an hour on a Thursday evening. I snuck in down this valley, pre-hung everything. 
And I actually, it was such a far walk and it was on private ground. I left my saddle hanging at the bottom of the base, left everything where I, cause, cause I sell film a lot. And, and if I carry everything in my camera arm, all my camera stuff, ended up leaving everything, but my camera gear and, uh, and my bow and, uh, but, you know, it, it rained Ooh. <laughs> just enough to get not a lot, just a little bit wet. Well, then it dropped down to about 24 degrees. So go back in that morning. Everything is froze up. Right. I'm <laughs> I can't get my carabiner open. Uh, my Kong is stuck. And, uh, yeah, it took me. I had to sit there and hold it in my hands, breathe into it, try to get it warmed up, taking it on the, the tree and finally got it broke loose. And then, uh, and then coming down, uh, to climb down, it was, it was locked up again. So yeah, I, that's the one and only time I've had that happen. When I got up there and, and realized, cause I, I tethered in and I went to close my gate. I thought, wait a minute, this ain't right. So I took my hands and held it and I thought, and it would not thaw out. I don't know if, I, I don't think any moisture got in there. I think the metal had just gotten cold or maybe it sweated in my bag or something in the car, or whatever. But what made me nervous is when I started to get down there at dark, I couldn't get it open. And of course my fingers were cold to begin with. So luckily I had a hand warmer in my pocket. I took that hand warmer out and put it around it and held it there just, and it didn't take 30 seconds and then it was able to open. So I was just curious, you saying you'd hunted in some of those Midwest States and we know the temperatures can plummet there if you'd ever had that issue. Yes. Yes. Um, but a little bit of that was my fault for leaving it. But, well, mine too. Yeah, I mean, I left mine exactly. for sure. <laughs> so, so lesson learned, we didn't get in, in too bad of trouble. So, uh, yeah, I won't, I won't do that again. I'll take my ropes and stuff with me every time. I mean, it take you extra 10 seconds, 20 seconds. So no, no reason to leaving that stuff. Now, you're, you said you're a self-filmer, and, and we do a lot of self-filming ourselves. Um, what mm -hmm. camera arm and, and camera do you run, if you don't mind sharing that? Sure. Um, I have used the fourth arrow for a couple years, but this year I got the new, the new base that the teeth fold up and the uh, little tri-arm that's made for saddle hunting from fourth arrow. Uh-huh. And, oh, man, you talk about everything folds up so, so small. The footprint inside your bag is so small now. And then plus the way that arm is, um, bends in three different places. And what I'll do is, is I'm a right-hand shooter. Typically, I'll try to put my strong side, you know, on my left side and then set my camera uh, base on the right side about my hip and then i can pull the camera arm through at my waist and have it where i can hold it with my right hand and my bow with my left on the strong side right have you tr i just recently purchased the i have it ain't even come in the mail yet i, I purchased it so soon because i've been running that lone wolf pocket arm mm-hmm and mm -hmm. I just bought the um, the saddle arm from Fourth Air, and I have the I don't know I want to say it's like thirty something inches. I have the long one for like a lock on stand Fourth Arrow arm, yes. and I just bought yes. the saddle arm, the three arm, 
but I bought the new uh, base mount where you it's just like a little round oval looking like it almost looks like a little pill bottle and you drop the mm-hmm. back end of that in there. Have you tried that mount to the tree? No, I hadn't. No, okay. I hadn't. I'd, I've seen that. It looks looks really, really nice. Um, <laughs> now, mine, mine's a newer one, but it's it's a little bit bigger than what you're talking about. Um, it's got the claws on the back, but you can fold in. By that way, it doesn't rip up your backpack. Yep. So um, I got two of those. I bought the original one that don't fold up, and I kept worrying about that, like hitting my GoPro and cracking the screen. So then I, oh yeah, and, it, and then I purchased the other one that folds up, and it's a, it's a it's a big game changer. But it is a it is a, I mean, once you get it on the tree, that's why I was telling Cody earlier today. You could skin a deer off that thing, but it's oh yeah, it's pretty heavy. Um, oh yeah, it is it is heavy. It's compact, but it's heavy. Yeah, yeah. it is. So um, let's go into a little bit, Patrick. You told us early on before we got on the show that you were able to take two impressive deer this year and a real. I guess I don't know if you were alluding to the fact that you killed the county record, but you killed these deer out of a saddle. Is that correct? Both of them? Yes, sir. Yeah, tell yep. us a tell us a brief yeah. story about each one of those because we don't want to miss this um end segment here of the show about turkey hunting. Oh God. No, <laughs> can't forget that turkey hunting for sure, Nick. Definitely get that in there. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I'm I'm always down for turkey hunting. Yeah, I've I've had just one of the most amazing years. Um totally blessed to take um on on saturday november 12th in missouri i took 167 inch come home sunday was home for three days on wednesday november 16th took 178 and six eighths uh deer here in tennessee so i set two times and killed those two deer uh, now i was having a rough season up to there um, but it just shows you if you stay at it, keep hunting smart, that things can change. But my Missouri buck, um, it's me and Mitchell Johnston, uh, Jeremy Critcher, uh, Jake Williams, and Matt Renner, five of us. Um, we've got 160 acres in Missouri. Um, we actually started leasing this ground because we go up there and stay with Rest in Him Lodge. It's a Christian retreat center. They've been doing an outdoor dream foundation hunt for about four years. And me and Mitchell and a couple of dead end guys have always helped with this. It's taken uh, permanently um, disabled or uh, terminally ill kids hunting. So we go up there every spring and fall and help them with that hunt. And the deer hunts usually um, uh, Halloween weekend. So we've gained a great relationship with them at Rest in Him, help with the hunt. Well, this 160 acres come up for lease, and we've been taking kids there. So we wanted to lease it to be able to continue to take kids there. So we we jumped on the opportunity to be able to lease it. And um, we said, uh, put a food plot. It's basically like a lot of Midwestern uh, land. It's got five-acre field up top, and we planted in Mossy Oak Biologic, and then it goes off in fingers, and it's got a – a draw on the east side and a draw on the west side valleys. And uh, we had hunted the, we had a, we had this uh, 167 inch 10 point we called stickers. He had stickers all over his base and he was a mainframe 10. And uh, we knew he was our number one buck and we was hoping one of the kids would get him. And uh, he was very active all over the cameras, our dominant buck. And the kids just wasn't able to get him. Well, then Jeremy and Mitchell ended up bow hunting 
the week after ended up seeing the deer missing a good um eight point and uh just never did get him and i wasn't able to to hunt right after so me and jake decided to hunt the um the 11th 12th and 13th so we bow hunted friday before so we knew from trail cameras and observation and stuff those deer were running in the timber in the valleys in the mornings and then basically hitting the fields in the evening so i asked jake i said which which side do you want and the wind was going to be great for both sides and he said well i'll, I'll hunt the east side in that valley and i knew i wanted to hunt in the valley on the other side because couple things i knew that they hadn't been hit in the field i knew that they naturally wanted to run that valley and then the third was is once um gun season started and the neighbors were hunting all the big crop fields it would probably naturally push those bucks up that valley so i went in thursday um hung a stand and that's whenever i got froze i, I hunted all day bow hunting um seen a few small bucks well, then right up on top of the knob, about 100 yards above me, was a pre-hung set. So Saturday morning, I thought, well, I'm going to go into that because I'll be able to see better. But the stand was turned for the trails on top of the ridge, um, not for overlooking that valley. So what I did, I ended up using my cruiser saddle in a pre-hung stand. So I climbed up into the stand and the stand was basically pointing east, looking over the trails. So I just used the tree stand as a platform. By that way, I was looking west at, at this valley. And sure enough, as soon as it got sun, sun come up, um, started hearing deer, seeing them. And coming up the valley, I seen a doe coming straight towards me, uh, pulled up. My scope, look, seen a giant 10-point. That's all I needed to look at. I, I thought he was stickers, but I was just like, that's a shooter. So I grabbed the camera, got the camera pointing in that direction. Before the deer ever come out, the doe stopped. He bumped the doe. The doe went up the hill. It was just a big, big commotion of about 20 minutes of me not being able to get this deer killed because he wouldn't come out in the open. Every time I could shoot him, it was just too thick a brush. I was using my dad's 30 6 his old Remington 30 6 He had passed away a few years ago, and I was really, really wanting to shoot a buck with my dad's 30 6 And these deer ended up going back down the valley, and I hear something to my left, and I look, and here comes a 145-inch 10-point right under me, makes a scrape. I'm videoing it. And I'm looking through him, and, and this old country boy usually don't pass 145-inch deer up. And, and I just remember putting the gun down saying, Lord, just let this work out. And that deer goes walking towards the big buck and the doe. And the big buck sees this deer. He bristles up, comes walking out. When he steps out about 70 yards, I shoot and uh, drop him right there. So that's how I got my 167-inch buck. Um, but little god story on that i get down to the buck and we get all my buddies and we get the we're fixing to take him out and one of my friends was like steer's been shot before and there's a bullet on his leg a mushroom bullet 
and my shot had went straight through his chest, but it was a 30 six shell on his back leg. And we couldn't figure it out. It's like there was no other shots before. This wasn't an old shot. And I just get it, and I think, well, that's cool. I get back to the lodge, and my nephew texts me, and he said, congrats on your buck. He said, Papa would have been proud. And then he texts me back, and he said, Papa would have shot him in the leg. Because my dad was an awesome marksman, great hunter, had, but had never killed a big deer because he wasn't able to travel. He just hunted the mountains mostly. And his last two times he went hunting with me, I took him to Kentucky on a lease I had. And I don't know if it was getting old and not being able to see or what. His last two deer, he shot in the back leg. One I finished off and killed. And the other one ended up living and only had three legs. So it was kind of a joke. And I didn't realize it at the time. But when my nephew had said, well, Papa would have shot him in his back leg. I was like, James 117, that's a gift from God saying your father is okay. He's right here in heaven. And it was just amazing that that happened. Um, so that kind of started the the rodeo of of killing two big deer i ended up scanning taking care processing the deer on sunday driving home getting home at midnight monday morning i get a picture of this big buck that i knew about for the past three years and um he had showed up in october but it was all like midnight 3 a.m well, the picture when I get back Monday is him coming out of this CRP field that I let grow up into a biologic going to the standing beans 10 minutes after shooting. I'm like, uh-oh, this might get good. Well, Tuesday, my little boy had his first basketball game. So I'm at the basketball game and I get a picture of the buck coming out of the CRP with about 45 minutes of light left. So I knew this is my opportunity. Wednesday morning, getting the kids ready for school, and we're leaving. I get a picture of him at about an hour after daylight going back into the CRP. So called my wife. We got anything going on Wednesday afternoon. She said, no. I said, well, I'm going to finish up work, and I'm getting in the stand. So I come home, get home about 3 o'clock, get all my stuff together. I already had a pre-stung, hung uh, ladder sticks right on a creek up against the cedar tree. I'm looking at the mossy oak biologic, and then in, on the other side of it is the CRP field. Behind me is an acre of standing beans. So I get up in the stand. I've got about 20 minutes of light left. I look out in the CRP, and I can see his rack walking through the CRP. He um, comes through a gap that I'd made in the fence at a 50-yard stop, and I shoot him with the CVA muzzleloader at 50 yards. He ended up being 178 inch six eights was you alluding to earlier though before we got on the phone call that that was a county record yes um it is not official yet yeah. um but kind of give a um, background of the typical deer that we get around here usually you kill 120 inch it's a giant our county record was 148 inch and stood from 1988 until 2018 and 162 inch beat it um right now 
um, after I scored it, 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 it will gross 178 and six eighths and net 169 and two eighths. But of course, it's got to dry. I think mid January, I'll go get it officially scored, but it should be, it should overtake the county record. That's awesome. So when you left Missouri, you had, you, you were probably thinking, I'm pretty much done for the year. And then you come home oh, and yeah, take I mean, this. I was, yeah, I mean, I was completely satisfied. I mean, my, I was on cloud nine. I had killed. I just wanted to kill a good buck with my dad's gun and to be able to kill a giant like that. And I knew this deer was around my house. And I thought that he was probably in the 150s because he's only 14 and a half inches wide. Mm. But he's got 15 scorable points. He's got a 25 and a half inch main beams and over 12 inch G2s. So he's real cagey. He's just, I mean, he pretty much touches. So it's hard to, I never dreamed he was that big. And then I didn't, uh, I hadn't had any daylight pictures of him this year. So uh, and you I kill, just never would have dreamed. You killed both of those out of a cruiser saddle, correct? Both of them out of a cruiser saddle. That's correct. Both, yeah, with, the, both of them with a the gun. And, and we probably don't talk about it uh, probably enough, but does your does your setup change the way you hunt from gun to bow? Yes. Um, the only way that it changes is I want back out of the game just a little bit. Um, I want to give myself more of a buffer. Like, so, so my Missouri buck, Friday when I was bow hunting, I was down in the valley with the trail 20 yards from me. Mm-hmm. Where gun season, when it opened, I backed up on top of the knob 75 to 100 yards where I could look down in that hole because a couple of reasons for one, my range is longer. So I want to be able to see more. And then two, I can get by with more as far as scent and all that. Um, and the same as, as my buck here at the house, um, I was set back enough to give that deer a buffer where instead of being right on him, I was back a little bit more playing, being more safe, I guess, uh, with a gun because I mean, you've got more, more reach and, and I'm probably 80% bow hunter. I'd rather bow hunt. I'd rather shoot them with a bow, but <laughs> I'm not turning down a 167, a 180 with, <laughs> with a gun. With a rifle. <laughs> I love yeah. it. That's, yeah. that's right. That's right. You, you hunt about along the line, same lines as us old rednecks down here in Georgia do. <laughs> Let me well, it's, a, it's a total it's a total different feel it's it's more intimate with a bow but man it feels good to shoot one with a gun <laughs> yeah it does <laughs> let me ask you let me ask you a question about bow hunting missouri and i've always heard this but i've never been sure when you buy your when you buy your out-of-state license and you get your deer tags do you also get turkey tags included is that a, such a thing I, I've always heard that you get a buck tag, maybe some doe tags and a couple of turkey tags with one purchase. Mm, I don't rem- I I don't want to say uh because I've heard that I've been blessed over the past few years to be able to hunt so many different states. Right. So, I don't I think Missouri may be one of them that's good for a year from the time you purchase. 
but but I do know this. I was already there and too much into the game to to not, but I bought that bow tag to bow hunt one day, and that's I had to turn around and buy a <laughs> gun tag for Saturday. Oh, oh wow! Because wow. <laughs> yeah. you can you, when you buy a tag, do you can you buy both the uh, bow tag and the gun tag at the same time, or do you have you to go buy, buy them at the same time? You can buy them at the same time, and you can kill two bucks in Missouri. But you can kill one with a bow and one with a gun, but you got to have both tags. Can you kill one? And, and I'm, correct me if I'm wrong, because it's been years since I've looked at Missouri regs. But if you have two tags, you can harvest one buck before the gun season with a bow, and you can harvest a second one with a bow. But it has to be after the first gun season or after the gun season. Yes. Okay. Yes. So you can yes. take two with yes. a bow. It just has to one of them has to be after the bow. Uh, the the gun season has ended. Yes. Yes. And yes, I I know what yes. you're saying, Nick, because Missouri does have a, ta- a fall turkey season. Um, Cody and I looked into going to Missouri years ago, and, and I believe you're correct that – check your regs. I mean, it changes year yeah. to year. I, I mean, it's for sure, but I that's do, definitely interesting. I do think that. I'm I'm pretty sure I did get a turkey tag, fall turkey tag with that. Um, but typically, typically – I don't kill them in the fall. Sure. Just be, just because I want to chase that gobble. Sure. And, uh, and I'd rather turkey hunt than deer hunt. <laughs> it may not sound like it, but, uh, I'm one of them that I love the turkey hunt. I love the chess match. I like being able to communicate with them. I like being able to, I mean, at times we may have eight guys turkey hunting together. Mm-hmm. Um, we can pull that off cause we ain't got to worry about the scent. Um, so I enjoy the hunt more. Now, there's no better feeling than checkmate on a big mature buck, getting your hands on him. Right. Um, as far as deer hunting, I like all the prep beforehand, the running trail cameras, the learning the land, the getting ready, preparing for the deer, and then after the kill, the pitcher is in a celebration more than the actual deer hunt. Um, like if... If if someone I know kills a deer, I want to be there to help drag them out and to take the pictures and the camaraderie. As now that uh, now that turkey hunting, I guess we can spin into that real quick. Now that turkey hunting's got so popular across the country from all these shows, and and I and it sounds like you guys over at Dead End travel a good bit now to turkey hunt. Is there is there a state that you just absolutely don't want to go back to to chase birds again? Um, I guess my most, most difficult state I've hunted is Alabama. Okay. Wow. Um, Alabama, um, I've killed birds there. Um, but Alabama, um, was tough. Uh, not a whole lot of goblin after fly down the three or four times I've hunted there. Um, just just was was tough um everywhere else you know the the osceolas uh you know you hear about them being the most difficult and uh but i've not found find that to be true um i've killed them on private we've killed them on public in the swamps now the swamps can add a different feature as far as being difficult to navigate around in the water and all that um but you know and 
we typically we're not conservative. We call a lot, <laughs> right? And it's it's. I think we put too many uh, human traits on, especially turkeys. You know, it's like if if you sound like a hen, you sound like a hen. If he's gobbling at you, he likes what he hears. Now, if he's gobbling at you 300 yards away and he leaves, a lot of people's like, well, he knows you're calling to him. No, he doesn't. His brain's the size of a, a con nut. So he either left because he gobbled up a coyote and the coyote run him off, or he did his job and gobbled up a bunch of hens, and then the hens are taking him the other way. Mm-hmm. But scouting, scouting, scouting is the thing with turkeys. Um, like locally and places I can spend time, my success rate is usually pretty high. And I'm not saying that being cocky as far as my calling. It's because I spend time scouting them. And when I know that they're, they, they typically, they like a certain place. Well, it's easy to call them in somewhere where they want to be. Now you you ranked yourself. You told us what you say. You ranked yourself in the top five over at Dead End Game Calls as as a caller. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. what, actually, what what did you tell us before the show? Oh, I let's see. Um, Something I about tell, a truck tell, stop. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I tell I tell Mitchell. I, mine's the the Flying J Turkey Call. Uh, <laughs> I'm. I sound like crap, but I'm easy. So the, the gobblers come. <laughs> oh, I love it. That's. I hope that's going to be my mantra this year. I could. I could tell you, Patrick. That may be my mantra this year. I sound like crap, boy. I killed that turkey. <laughs> that, that's right. Hey, as long as he likes it and he comes to it, it doesn't. I mean, the the first couple of times I hunted with Mitchell. Well, I mean, even now, I'll still just look at him and just be in disbelief. I mean, because I've been around some callers that they sound good, mm-hmm. like, on stage, but it's like they've got a couple different, I don't know, stages or uh, levels they can call that. But Mitchell just sounds like a turkey at all times. Hair will stand up on the back of your neck because it's like, it sounds like a turkey, which... We've got a lot of other, Matt and Tyler Presley, they're the same way. But when you hunt with these guys, like if you've never been around them and you hunt with them and they get a turkey goblin and he stands out there at two or 300 yards and he doesn't come in, then it's like, okay, all right. You know, <laughs> it happens to them too. That's right. You know, so just because you sound good isn't, that it, it it takes a lot lot more than that. I I typically I typically get a couple people a year that'll call or text. You know, we've got those buddies. Hey man, will you put me on a turkey or come call one in? And I had a guy, two stories real quick. Y'all think's funny. Two different guys said, Hey, will you uh, help me with a turkey? One guy said, Will you come call him in for me? <laughs> and I was like, Okay, what's going on? He said. Well, I get out in my field and I call and he gobbles and he gobbles, but he won't come. And I said, okay, well, so tell me about your field. And he's like, well, it's basically my backyard, just a hay field. And I was like, okay, so where's the turkeys at? And he's like, on my neighbors on a hundred acre cut cornfield. <laughs> and I was like, he's gobbling to you because he likes what he hears, but he ain't leaving all those hens and that food to come over to some grass field. So it doesn't matter what collar you have. 
And like, he was dumbfounded at that. And then another guy, he calls and says, will you help me kill this turkey? I've got my blind set in this perfect spot. And he said, this turkey comes out across the field in the opposite corner and stands there and gobbles every morning. What do I do to kill him? I said, move your blind over another corner. <laughs> and, and he was just like, but it's in a perfect spot. And I said, for who? Maybe for you, but not that turkey. Uh, so go, we just, go we ahead. overthink things way, way too much. We do. We And, and I think that even goes back to, to deer hunting too, because I catch myself thinking, man, this sure is pretty in here. You know, I sure would like to kill a deer right here, but that may be not, that, that deer may not want to be right there, you know, as, as pretty as I think it is. Yes. You kill a deer when he's killable and where he's killable at. That's right. It's, and, and, and the same oh, thing I, for a turkey. It doesn't matter if you think you should be on this ridge. He may be down in the bottom where you never think he is at, but it's just all, you know, I think, I think we push so much calling now because of the sales and stuff on it when it's more about um, placement, where to be at the right sure. time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And you need to, I mean, you need to know enough about, about turkeys. Um, you know, there's certain calls that you can do. Um, I always say, you know, uh, a, a cluck and a purr. Mm-hmm you basically can't do too much of unless they can, they're actually so close that they might be able to see you and see you move. But I mean, a cluck and purr, that's just feeding. If you set, I've, I've set, you know, you can sit and watch and listen to, to chickens. They're constantly just, just while they're feeding and it's a common, but if you're sitting there just cutting as loud as you can, yeah, you can overdo it. Mm -hmm. I mean, um, but there are certain calls. If you learn what those calls are, you can get by doing more. Um, you ain't going to, have to worry about me over calling Nick. If that's what you're worried about. <laughs> <laughs> I, I get choked on a mouth call every time, but I tell you what, I should be a Turkey expert. Cause I can tell you for the last two years, for four <laughs> months out of the year, I have to listen to Turkey talk and I don't get to talk at all. Cause I can't, I just have to listen. So I'm, an, I'm, well, you, Y'all need to, have you traveled out West and turkey hunted like Merriam's and stuff? Both these guys have Nick and Cody have been yeah. out to Utah and Idaho and South Dakota. So, okay. yeah. All right. Yeah. But, those, some of those, if you hit those Merriam's right, they make anyone feel like a grand national caller. They're, they're fun to hunt out there. I'll say that they're fun to oh, hunt. Yeah. They're fun to chase. I mean, there's just big country out there. So it's unreal. Like, and you're used to it too. And, and so are we, but you know, you hear you hear a bird here in Georgia, you, you can about pinpoint what ridge he's on and you can, you feel like I'll be over on that ridge in 30 minutes. You can hear those turkeys yep. out there on a the ridge, but it might take you two hours to walk to it. Um, yep. Well, and another difference with those birds is an Eastern, if you hear him over there, you better cut some distance. You better try to get in his bu- bubble. Mm-hmm. Well, Miriam, if you get him gobbling, he may cover a mile. And come to you. Oh come yeah, come to you very, very fast. Um, you know that that's the big difference in them, and they can cover some ground. They don't mind moving those birds out there. Where Easterns, else they may stay on a hundred acres all day. That's right. Um, but, but they'll travel. Yeah, they're, we. Um, they're roadrunners like out them. there. That's for sure. <laughs> I swear, out there in Utah, yeah. them them birds out there got roller skates. Yeah, they're traveling <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. They will if you if you can watch them. I videoed them and watched them visually. 
they will basically be running away from you, but still gobbling. It's just, and because they've got hens or somewhere where they're going, not scared, but just on a mission going somewhere, but gobbling every breath at you, but going another way. <laughs> That'd make me madder than crap. I'd be just I'm like, you son of a gun, you just taunting me to chase you. I'd run myself to death. Did you get those oh, yeah. two deer on camera? I forgot to ask you a second ago. Yes, sir. I filmed, I filmed both of them. Okay, that's awesome. Um, the, um, the Missouri buck, um, what I did is where I was in the timber, and when that 145 started walking, I just panned back because I was shooting in 4K, so I just panned back to make sure to get it all in frame. And then, and then, but you can, you can, and of course, self-filming, the big buck walks out, bristled up, walks behind a tree, I shoot, and then he falls out the other side. Mm, gotcha, <laughs> gotcha. So you can see him before I shoot, and then he falls out, and he dies on the other side of the tree. And then uh, and then the one I killed here at home, it's it's good footage. I killed it. Uh, it's getting dark, but it's still, it's not grainy. You got about 15 minutes of light left. Uh, shoot him at about 45 yards. But, yeah, I filmed both of them. And, and of course, still get hatred, still get, uh, we did a live video. We usually do a live video on stuff like that to be able to um, talk about the deer and maybe do a little bit of scripture or something. I had had a couple people say I spotlighted him because I recovered him in the dark, and <laughs> and we we even had a couple people that called my nephew here and said that I'd purchased the deer in Kentucky on a deer farm and had him shipped to my house and let him out and killed him. <laughs> Man, nice. you got that kind of money, Patrick. Let me let me hold a little, if you don't mind. Oh, oh. <laughs> and and it was such a story. My nephew didn't even tell him it wasn't true. He just said no. He he paid for a helicopter to bring him in. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And it's like you know, we're just. I'm just a country boy that that grew up poor and worked my butt off, and the Lord has blessed me. Um, I did, I've got a sales job in respiratory. I work for uh, kind of like uh, medical sales. Uh, that's my 40-hour week job. I've got uh, a few head of cattle. I work on the front end of the farm, and I usually mount about 20 deer a year. So it's like if you want it bad enough, uh, my dad was not able ever able to really travel. And um, so starting about 15 years ago, started networking through family that lived. Hey, you know, you know, anyone that let me hunt? Yeah. Someone in Kentucky will let you hunt. So I started going there and then I had a cousin in Illinois. Hey, can someone let me hunt? So I started going up there public ground hunting in Southern Illinois. And then his boss had a little piece of land. I started hunting and then, and then it's like, well, lease come available. Well, I'll mount 10 deer and then take that money and pay for a lease. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so you don't have to be rich to do. I know a lot of times you'll hear me or you guys talking or someone else talking and you're like, man, if only I had that money or could do this. Well, guys, anyone can do this. If you want it bad enough, you may have to work extra. You may have to mow yards, cut wood. Like I said, I do, I do cattle on the side and mount some deer on the side to pay for my playing. And I've, been blessed to meet a lot of people and get a lot of connections across the United States, but anyone can do like out West. I tell turkey hunting, 
people say something about out west, I said, pick a couple public grounds and then head out. Mm-hmm. And then when you get out there, when you start seeing turkeys, start knocking on doors. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I've ever been turned down out west to turkey hunt. Now, deer hunt, you will. But if you just say, hey, I want to just turkey hunt. Um, so Nebraska, we probably got 10,000 acres to hunt private ground. And it's all by just knocking on doors. Wow. Yeah, it's just Patrick. You go out there, and and it's like going back twenty years. Right. That's yeah. I've I've said that same thing too, Patrick. Where would where would you like to see dead end going over the next five years? What direction would you like to see them, head, or just kind of stay the same what they're doing now? Well, as far as what our mission is, nothing's going to change. Correct. That's our mission. Right. Uh, what we say when people say, "How big do you want it to be?" Mm-hmm. We say, "As big as the Lord wants it to be." There you go. Um, Um, but of course now, would we love for it to be big enough for me and Mitchell and 10, 15, 20 of a road crews to be able to do it full time? Absolutely. Mitchell is a full-time firefighter. Um, we have been blessed to go from zero full-time employees to where we're now. We have six full-time employees, but Mitchell also is a full-time firefighter. Okay. Um, but of course, yeah, we would love to, the Lord wants it. We'd love to do this full time. But if not, seeing people led to the Lord and meeting people like you guys and Chad at Cruiser and Tyler and KC, if it's just meeting people and and spreading the word, hey, we're good with that too. Good deal. I got one final question we always used to ask. Oh, shouldn't say we always yes, used sir. to it's been a while since we've asked it but and i think i know where this is going to go but what are you most thankful for well, my lord and savior of course amen alex and then and then uh and then second my wife if it wasn't for um i you i always say if if you if you meet a good man there's usually even a better woman behind that man i tell her that all the time sure to be more grateful <laughs> oh my goodness to have women to have women to let us pursue our passions and 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 be away from the family when we are man what a blessing because Mm -hmm. i see so many people that don't have that and we're blessed with that Patrick, it's been an, uh, an indeed a privilege and an honor to have you as the last guest of, uh, of 2022 to come on, talk about it outdoors. Um, we go throughout the year and, and we have certain episodes that we never like to pick a favorite and we try to put them all in the same bucket as good ones. And tonight's been a, a great ending to the year. The, the word and the devotion that you've got to chasing your passion and, and putting God as the forefront of all of that, it, it really, humbles the thought and the mind and, and kind of puts the heart at ease that like you said it is indeed an honor to to be able to meet people like we've met the guys at cruiser and we've spent time with them in in uh, a capacity to discuss religion a little bit that's led to other conversations for people then um you know we go back to it a lot that that don higgins when we first got started told us if he could lead one person to christ through uh through teaching or uh telling about deer hunting he did his job and it was all worth it in the end. So we appreciate you. Uh, you we appreciate you not being uh, afraid to to speak on that um, because a lot of people in the world are anymore. And 
um, it uh, it definitely gives gives you a good easy feeling going into uh, the new year, um, hearing things like you've spoke on tonight. So we we appreciate it. We appreciate what you guys stand for, and I I can almost assure you you're gonna have to uh, come and see us sometime in the in the future. Right? Think stop by the booth in February. At that's right. That's us. right. You'll have to stop by and hopefully get a handshake from the man. Oh yeah, definitely need to meet uh meet up uh we'll meet up at the convention uh yeah that sounds awesome it was a was a pleasure to be on an honor to be on and uh, yeah look forward to maybe getting together and chasing some turkeys or uh meeting up or having lunch something let's do it brother you, you, you heard he didn't say to chase no 180 inch deer <laughs> didn't he nick he left that part out he didn't for offer us up that one. <laughs> oh, you come up here and kill one of these old scraggly two-year-olds but you ain't gonna kill no buck <laughs> oh i love it i love it we get that so often people's like come on up and chase turkeys with me and they're like yeah. they're never come up here and chase one of these boning crockets with me <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that because those are one and few and far between. I've lived on this property for 13 years, and I've took two bucks off of it. Oh, wow. That's one of them. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Well, we hope so you, you guys uh, going to be at the ATA. Are y'all going to be at the ATA? We will not be at ATA. Okay. Yeah, January's a January's a tough month for us to break free. We're closing out deer season here. We've still got uh, a month left in the county we're in. We get extended archery so we can hunt till February the 1st. So, We'll be chasing those last few tags to fill and um, getting ready to okay. getting ready to go to NWTF. We've got a lot of things to prepare for that and getting on the getting on the the train right into turkey season. If I can hold Nick's reins back just one more month, I'll be lucky. <laughs> I might get another week out of him. Well, I'm going. We're going to let you slide a little coyote hunting in there, son. Don't. And dead <laughs> dead end build some uh, coyote calls too. I need to get a hold of one yes, of those howlers. Yes, we do. And and when when you guys come by the booth in February, Mitchell, can, uh, we've got a couple of guys, but Mitchell Mitchell can he can take one mouth call, one turkey mouth call, and do ten or fifteen animal calls better than most people can do with multiple calls. That's impressive. Yeah, I'd like to I'd like to see <laughs> that for sure. Yeah. All right, Patrick. Well, thanks again, and um, hopefully, uh, hopefully, the rest of your season, if you've got anything left, uh, goes well. And we want to wish you a, uh, a very blessed and, and happy new year. Yes, sir. And you too. Y'all have a happy new year, and uh, hope you guys can lay down a couple in Georgia. Thank you, sir. We appreciate it. Appreciate it, man. Bye bye. Thank you. Goodbye. All right, guys. I mean, Mister Patrick Paysinger, Dead End Game Calls. Didn't go the direction I thought it would with that name, Dead End Game Calls. I love it. It's a great meaning behind it. I, I absolutely did. I had yeah. no idea that. I'm, I'd like to talk to Mitchell in the future on it a little bit more about the company and what his his passion and stuff behind it is, but I think Patrick done a good job filling his shoes this afternoon. Absolutely. And, and I think the biggest thing, like we've said time and time again, is you, you find circles to run in, and it seems the circles we run in all come back full scale back to back to the beginning. So cruisers the same way great group of guys over there and blessed in 22 to have them as a partner and hopefully we can continue that in the new year i hope so buddy it's been a great year how many deer we got knocked down collectively on the team i i was trying to count them count up mine real quick, hold on. <laughs> he's got his shoes <laughs> off <laughs> tyler's knocked one down caleb's knocked down two or three he knocked down two caleb two tyler one myself one caden's killed four caden's killed four 
Good Lord, I'm running out of fingers, boys. That's nine. Cody killed one. Um, Mark killed one. Yep. Mayo killed one. And a doe. And a doe. Plus 12, 13. Did they have tags? <laughs> At some point. <laughs> you killed five? Five, yeah. What is that? It's an, an, uh, 18? That's 18. 18. Pretty good year. Pretty good year for the hunting club. Yeah, and yeah. and some good bucks. Yeah. Great bucks. Yeah. I feel. And, and with a month left. I mean, we've still got a month to go. Oh, yeah. You going to do much hunting? Um, You going to go up north, up, up north? No. No. no I'm, um, you know what? It's funny you say that. I thought about going this New Year's weekend because we changed our plans. We were supposed to be going back down south where I killed that uh, deer with Ryan, and we kind of changed plans. But, no, I thought about going this weekend. But <laughs> as I was riding up the road, I was looking at dates, looking at weather, and I'm like, Oh yeah, I ain't got a bow. <laughs> oh yeah, wow! I forgot I about did. that. I looked at dates and everything. I'm like, oh, oh yeah, I ain't got a bow. I mean, I could always use my dad's crossbow or something if I wanted to, but like, eh, I guess that's I don't need to go. I got drawn for a local hunt here, so I'm planning on. I got a few more things up my sleeve. Maybe we'll get something on the ground. We're going back to uh, Putnam County uh, weekend after next, whatever. Last weekend in Georgia to pull some cameras and stuff like that out. So. I'll probably hunt a few afternoons. I doubt morning hunting will be. Morning hunting's been dead for cameras and stuff around here. Now, they've been picking up midday. Well, as we're sitting here recording this podcast, an mm-hmm. old foe has returned and destroyed my feeder. Literally, while we're recording this show, he's destroyed my feeder. So, the one I set up for late season. But you know what them bears don't like to eat? Turnips. And I've got a field slap full of them. So, I'll just quit filling the feeder up and hunt over my Buck Fever Seed Company food plot one more time. Huh. Are the deer hitting it hard? The deer are hitting it hard. And, and you know that little hot spell that we got right before to, what, two, three weeks ago? It really, really throwed the grass up. I mean, it made everything in it really green up good. So I'm sure there's not much left there now with that cold front that came through. So mm-hmm. if you don't have you a heated vest yet, you need to check them out. Let me throw that out there. Or Altera alpaca socks. Yeah, if you back. don't if you don't have those two items with this cold weather, you're, you're selling yourself short, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And you you saw how cold it was. Y'all both did. Y'all was on the message thread. It was cold the other evening, but I never got never Hell, got I walked cold. outside. I know how cold yeah, it was. We, we, we I know, ventured out. No, just walked out on the porch Boy, with I'm, you a stick of stove wood. Yeah, I burned a quart of wood. Oh, I burned the fire out of some wood this past week. Nearly a, nearly a half a pickup load. Well, I feel bad for all these people, though, that water lines, heat. More so the water lines. You see that picture floating around by the plumbers this week? That's that guy wearing all that gold. No, that's <laughs> funny, though. Look like a gas station like guy when the gas prices were through the roof. No, it's been a great year. Um, great, great things have transpired in, in 22. Um, our videoing all around has gotten so much better. I know there's been so many people that have asked, when y'all going to start posting videos? When are you going to start posting videos? Yeah, there's that picture. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. The, anyone that wants to see that content, you're going to have to wait. Um, we do have things in the work on where it's going to be dropped out at. It will be on YouTube, um, mm-hmm. on our channel there. Uh, we don't know exactly the date yet. We'll know, you know later on into summer. Uh, we'll be able to get it put together. And we'll also have details probably coming out in the next couple of weeks regarding the KT team fundraiser knife for this year, we've already got it in the works. And there's also going to be a, a knife that Talk About It Outdoors is going to to endorse from R.P. Scritchfield. 
And we're going to have that as part of our fundraising efforts for the KT team going into this year. A lot of cool stuff. Apparel over on our website. Talk about it outdoors.com. Hats, t-shirts, hoodies, new stuff being added daily. We've got some kids stuff available right now. It's available on there. You can get in touch with us locally. We've got some limited quantities in that. But we we sure appreciate all the support coming from the website. It's been great so far. Yeah. I can't wait to um I can't wait to get up in Nashville and see your face. I can't. I'll tell you what I'm excited for before Nashville is going to Unicoi. Yeah. I I am excited for that. That's uh, going to be fun to go up and see the the call makers there. I've never been to I mean that'll be a, a smaller stage of course than what I mean it's just turkey calls there though, right? Yeah, it's pretty much just turkey <laughs> calls much, in Nashville yeah. too. <laughs> Yes. I'm hoping you'll need a muffle. <laughs> Not a, I'm gonna need a, I'm gonna need the mirror muffs I bought the other day. I'm gonna turn the volume off on those though. Oh man, no, nah, it's been a good year, boys. I appreciate. It. I can't wait to get these videos pushed through and ran out, and um, still a lot of editing to do, and still add more footage to it. Still add more footage to it. Yeah, it's probably gonna be a probably ten or eleven episode drop. So can't wait to see what happens, and Dang. hope everybody likes it. Oh, we're going to love it. Speaking of NWTF, i got to call Gary see if he's going to be up there or not. Who? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we see old son. Who? I don't even know how to say his last name, so I ain't going to butcher it. <laughs> Rascal Flats. Remember? Frats. Oh. Gary LaVox. Le- yeah, LaVox, yeah. <laughs> Was he up there last year? Yeah, you don't remember the first night we was talking about Cody walking in there and we passed him walking into the restaurant. He Cody was hitting him on the shoulder. What's up, man? He's like, "Hey, man, how's it going? You been doing?" Yeah, he right? actually is going to be there because he's one of the yeah. performers. Mm-hmm. What I did saw, you, and you didn't know who it was. That's right. I know. No, I knew who it was. I just that was just. He was standing with Ryan Klesko, and that's who he saw first. I yeah, think. and yeah. Then it was just you had to be there. <laughs> I, like <laughs> I knew him for twenty years. You had to, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I love it. Well, um, anyways, if you need anything, reach out to us. We hope everyone had a wonderful Christmas. Um, we hope you have a blessed new year. 23 is going to be exciting for Talk About It Outdoors. A lot of new things coming. I know we say that a lot, but we've continued to deliver new things constantly. Uh, I, I appreciate the the support that everyone's given us um, and continue to give us. Team members that we've added this past year have fulfilled anything we could ever ask them to do, and, and we're so thankful to have them as a part of us. And the relationships we've founded throughout the year has, has been continually growing which i'm glad to see so uh for everyone here at talk about it outdoors we want to wish you a happy new year and and have blessings going into 2023 if you need us you know where we're at as always remember smile as you go but don't forget mouth of members building the foundation of your life starts at the base And the stronger it is, the better. Talk About It Outdoors is proud of our strong partnership with United Concrete and Paving and the foundation of support they provide. Whether your new home being built needs concrete work or that driveway you're tired of beating all the bearings from your pickup needs a paving, Michael and his team can provide any residential or commercial project support you might need from the ground up. If you're tired of tripping over that unsettled patio slab or a future shop build needs a smooth start, United Concrete and Paving can get you going when you need it most. Give them a call at 404-831-3036 and make sure you tell them them TAI boys are where you heard it first.
A few years back, when an overbearing and overgrown backyard became an eyesore, I looked for a solution to resolve. LRS Land Services created a stunning and complete transformation turnkey at an affordable price with their mulching services. Not limited to mulching, LRS can provide turnkey grading and clearing, maintenance, right-of-way clearing, and even development for any and all forestry needs. With an innovative outlook on what is best for your land and a completely different approach than others, LRS can transform your overgrown eyesore into a beautiful landscape of your dreams. Give them a call at 404-889-1105 or check their work out on Facebook at LRS Land Services. Logan and his team are ready to make your land brand new again. Are you in need of a decluttering barn or garage slap full of stuff you just don't need? Or is your construction site needing a dumpster? Give our buddy Tony at Georgia Junk and Dumpster Rental a call. With services ranging from junk removal to roll-offs, Georgia Junk is here to help with any and all removal needs. If it's time to get that parking spot back or the boat needs a place inside, Tony and his team can surely assist. Servicing Cherokee, Cobb, Bartow, and surrounding counties, give them a call at 404-406-3501 or check them out on Facebook at Georgia Junk. Clean up the yard in short order with Georgia Junk. 